Welcome back, guys and gals. You are listening to the Northern Miner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Keevil. As usual, we are brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Please do hop over to yukonminingalliance.ca to check out all the exciting exploration and development activity going on in Canada's Yukon Territory. And welcome back. This is episode 74 for the week of September 18th. And uh, I know a lot of folks right now are down at the Precious Metal Summit in Beaver Creek. I hope everyone's having a great time down there. Uh, Leslie is down there with our group publisher, Anthony Vaccaro. So if you spot them around the floor, please do say hi. Uh, and uh, if you have any great stories, grab Leslie. Because I know she's really busy. Like she was telling me, it's just crazy this year booking appointments. But uh, if you do see her, uh, say hi and say hi to uh, our publisher, Anthony, as well. They're down there, I'm sure, having a great time. So in uh, this show... Uh, we're actually going to have another one of our great guests. Uh, at last week, we had Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights. This week, we have Mickey Fulp uh, returning, the mercenary geologist. He actually called into the show just on his way down to Beaver Creek. Uh, and this week, we're talking geopolitical risk. So we're talking some of those big headlining sort of sociopolitical issues we're uh, watching and uh, monitoring in the industry right now, including things like Tahoe Resources in Guatemala, uh, the Acacia mining situation in Tanzania, uh, and El Dorado's recent news release about their problems in Greece, uh, which is all covered in great depth on northernminer.com so please do hop over consider subscribing uh, our crack senior staff writer trish saywell has been covering the el dorado situation in greece and the coverage has been really good so check that out if you're interested uh, but mickey fulp and i will be digging in to socio-political and geopolitical risk today. So it's going to be great. Um, I'm going to run this. It's about a 22-minute interview uh, where we just uh, dig into actually quite a few things, even uh, beyond socio-political risk. We're also going to talk about metal prices, uh, Mickey's investment strategy, etc. So it's a great little uh, segment. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's going to take up the bulk of the podcast this week. So I'll say goodbye uh, for this week. We should have uh, some great audio coming out of the Beaver Creek Conference, I'm hoping, next week. Uh, so we should have a jam-packed episode, hopefully, coming up for the next few weeks uh, as we get more and more backlog content as we move past Labor Day and markets start to pick up. So uh, this has been Matthew Keevil once again with the Northern Miner Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Welcome back, everybody, and uh, you are listening to the Northern Miner Podcast. This is Matthew Keeble, as usual, and once again, we are joined by one of our favorite guests. Uh, as everyone knows, we just had Jill Mazumdar from Exploration Insights on the show last week. This week, we have Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist, heading into the Precious Metals Summit at Beaver Creek. Thanks for joining us, Mickey. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt. My pleasure, always. Uh, so it's interesting times. I uh, had a really good talk with uh, some other analysts, obviously, recently. And uh, it, before we get into uh, some of the topics we discussed during sort of our pre-production meeting here, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about just generally the market. Uh, we saw another missile flying over Japan recently, uh, but gold <laughs> went down. Uh, so maybe people are getting a little bit, a uh, little bit numb to all this sort of, you know, volatility internationally. Uh, where do you down in the states? Obviously, what are you? Uh, what are you hearing on the macro climate right now? <laughs> well, I'm quite amazed that gold went down on that news. So yeah. <laughs> evidently, uh, the American public has become numb, or the investing public has yeah. become numb to this uh, news of North Korea and the saber rattling that Trump does. Uh, you know, this is, in my opinion, a very serious situation because I don't see a resolution to it, mm -hmm. shy of war. So from that point of view, I'm amazed that gold went down uh, over the last couple of days. 
Uh, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500, I'm looking at them right now, mm-hmm. and they, if they are not at all-time highs, they are approaching all-time highs today. So all three of those markets are up. Uh, it's quite puzzling to me. And then also, I believe uh, there was some pretty positive macro data out of the U.S. on jobs, too. So, I mean, it's just, again, one of those things where people sort of keep waiting for the, the bottom to fall out of the U.S., but... Hey, every, they keep holding it in there, right? So, Well, yeah, and the uh, uh, chicken littles of the wor- world are uh, forecasting war and financial collapse in, in six months or less. Uh, of course, we've been hearing those sort of doomsday things since 1979. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know... By the same token, Matt, I'm convinced we will have financial collapse with fiat currency devaluation ongoing at some point. The question is, uh, well, it obviously wasn't in 1979. It was not in 2008, 2009. So mm-hmm. when's it coming? It's hard to for me to fathom that something's going to turn it around that quickly in the next six months. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Mickey, uh, moving maybe a little bit more over to the investment side, I mean, obviously, we have gold above 1300 now. Uh, Silver is moving up towards 18 bucks an ounce, and, and we saw that $3 plus copper. Um, and also, we've obviously talked about zinc quite a bit, you and I. But uh, where are you sort of standing right now on uh, commodities? Are you thinking things are a bit oversold, undersold? How are, how are you looking at the uh, metal markets right now? Well, and let's look specifically at the base metal markets right now, um, because that's really what I focused on over the last, well, certainly in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, copper got way ahead of itself. It got so <laughs> overbought uh, in the last month or so, and it was really stimulated by $22, $22 billion hedge fund move uh, into the copper derivatives market. So it got way ahead of itself. Uh, I went on BNN on Tuesday, I think, and said it's gotten way ahead of itself. We Mm -hmm. expect it to come back down, which it's done uh, and stabilized over the last couple of days. It's a uh, the low two dollar and ninety cent range. Um, I'm happy with that. I think it needed to consolidate. Mm -hmm. And let's hope that it that it is consolidating right now. And the same goes with zinc. It went up to a buck forty four. It's a buck thirty eight as we as we're speaking today. Yeah. And and so you haven't been looking too much at precious metals recently then, Mickey? Well, I uh, I always look at precious metals, but uh, gold is so uh, fickle, I guess you would say. I mean, we we had this uh, what would have set gold up another 20 or 30 bucks overnight. We had this uh, North Korean missile flying over Japan this time and the gold market didn't react. So uh, I don't have a way to a fundamental way to uh, predict or even speculate on how the gold price is going to go in the short term so i tend to stay away from that uh i will say that uh seasonal fundamentals right now seasonality of gold would demand that it should go up in the next month 
months, a month and a half, mm -hmm. because we have the Indian wedding and festival seasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you always have to balance that with geopolitical risk and jobs reports and, and ye old Yeller talking about interest <laughs> rates raises or, or not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hawk one month, a dove the next month. So. Uh, I think she's just trying to keep her job uh, when it comes up in February. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. Uh, this is Janet Yellen we're obviously talking about in the uh, Federal <laughs> Market Committee. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so uh, moving uh, sort of a little bit more into the investment side, I mean, so so what? how are you feeling about how equities are performing then? Well, the, the, uh, the major U.S. markets, I mean, I look at my uh, IRA, uh, the RSP equivalent for you, you guys, and yeah. – uh, and there, my returns are phenomenal this year. I'm actually beating the S&P 500. So from that point of view, I'm feeling pretty good about that. As far as uh, uh, Toronto Stock Exchange, it's one of four major markets of the 30 biggest equity markets in the world that has returned negative uh uh, returns this year mm -hmm. uh, and the venture exchange no one cares no. we're still at really low volumes yeah. you know the yeah. day after Labor Day uh, uh, the volume uh, peaked uh, what uh, uh, three or four week high and mm -hmm. it's dribbled down since then so no one cares uh, about the juniors except for specific exploration companies which have uh, uh, market caps uh, speculative market caps uh, way outside uh, what they deserve. Well, we were we were actually laughing about that off air, right? I mean, some of these some of these explore codes that have, let's say, anomalies to maybe you know their first round of drilling with two hundred million dollar plus market caps. Wow, it's been a while since we've seen that, right? Yeah, and it's real hit or miss too. Yeah, so. yeah, and I think we were saying that it also depends, you know, who's got their hands on the shares a lot of the time, right? with yep. this activity so yeah it's interesting to see i mean uh, we've seen that a lot in bc we were talking a little bit about the golden triangle stuff and some of the discovery mm -hmm. holes driving sort of jurisdictional stock movement which is funny but like you said it's very company specific so investors should watch out when they're when they're looking at these things these 200 dollars plus million dollar market caps for these explore codes just keep in mind that uh, these are pretty situationally specific right Yep, and they are very dependent on good initial drill results. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, when things double, uh, my modus operandi is to take all your money off the table and then let it ride there on a zero cost basis. Yeah, and I, I believe that's a pretty strong strategy myself. So, um, and funny enough, Vicky, we we talked a little bit about geopolitical risk, and that was the the topic you wanted to uh, to come on the podcast today and talk a little bit about uh, some of these wild and crazy things we're seeing from from governments around the world in terms of natural resources. Uh, obviously, the high profile ones right now are El Dorado in Greece. Mm -hmm. uh, we've heard a lot about that. Uh, the Acacia mining situation in Tanzania. Uh, mm -hmm. Clearly, that's at the top of everyone's mind, especially barracks. Um, but uh, you said you had a list, and I, I sort of wanted to get into a little bit of, uh, you know, we've seen the majors sort of a flight from risk sort of say um a lot of them buying yep. stuff in canada uh and and so uh, yeah i wanted to let you get into a little bit about uh, this geopolitical risk profile and how you're looking at the world abroad right now well we first started talking about this when i noticed at the end of july um these geopolitical risk stories and noticed it was starting to run rampant again and i would include uh resource nationalism and and terrorism and strikes and 
et cetera, et cetera. And it seemed uh, correlative to me uh, to the increase in metal prices. So we've had somewhat of a, an incipient bull market for commodities. You know, copper's up, uh, uh, what, <laughs> a tremendous amount since the uh, election, uh, something on the order of 70 or 80 cents. Yeah. So with the increase in, in metal prices, and especially industrial metals, uh, geopolitical risk has run its has raised its ugly head again. So mm -hmm. I compiled over uh, the last what six weeks a mm -hmm. list of com uh, countries, and I'll just briefly go through those: in Asia, mm -hmm. the Philippines, Indonesia, mm -hmm. Kyrgyzstan, and Australia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> With, Australia. Uh, yeah. yeah, with uh, uh, the uh, Aboriginal uh, uh, Supreme Court decision uh, in, uh, against Fortescue and, and problems with royalties and royalty raises to fund the Western Australia government. In the Eurozone, you already mentioned Greece. In mm -hmm. Africa, you already mentioned Tanzania. But don't mm -hmm. forget Guinea with Rio Tinto, South Africa, uh, new increase in black empowerment, Zimbabwe, uh, which always has problems, the DRC raising royalties, Burkina Faso with terrorism. And then in Latin America, my gosh, I've got uh, uh, six countries there, uh, Guatemala and Tahoe Resources, which everybody is aware of, but also Chile, new socialist labor laws coming into effect uh, within less than a year. Peru, uh, always a bit of a wild card. Colombia, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, continental goal was six security guards murdered. La Colosa, Anglo-American walks away. But yeah. also Brazil, uh, raising royalties. Argentina, there's always something going on there. So yeah. if I add all those up, Matt, that's yeah. 17 countries. Yeah. And here's the wild card. I would maybe say there's 18 if we include the new Green People's Democratic Republic of British Columbia. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would say uh, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, that one. I mean, uh, we've dug into it quite a bit uh, in terms of what the NDP feels about mining. Obviously, they're anti-coal and they don't really like any sort of fossil fuels. But mm -hmm. mining is an, an interesting one because they they haven't really yet had a situation where they're looking at a major mining project. So we're, we're, we're a little bit in the dark on what the new NDP government and how they're going to approach mining. So I, I, I think that's a fair point you make. And the other one that I, uh, I covered recently was also Primero Mining in Mexico, and they're having mm -hmm. horrible union problems. Uh, but that's also... It, from what I gather, the company is not blameless in that scenario. So uh, that's it, it's funny because with these countries, we can obviously say, "Oh, there's problems in the country," but it's all it's often geographically specific within country, mm -hmm. right? Certainly uh, so in it, Peru, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, and in and Mexico, Mexico for sure is is certainly the case. I mean, uh, if you look at you know some operators uh, recently, Lea Gold at Los Filos and Torex with the Morelos project, they don't appear to be having any problems, even though they're in Guerrero, which is historically one of the most dangerous parts of Mexico. But, I mean, there is obviously heightened security and stuff. But it's funny when you say these things. But then there are countries like Greece where it just seems to be a blanket. Like, you just don't want to be there, right? So uh, I don't think El Dorado... Yeah. 
really wants to be there, but they're kind of stuck right now. I think. Well, it's a it's a funny. Uh, there's a lot of peacocking and posturing going on in, in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. pretty funny. I mean, and so you've obviously. I'd be interested in in maybe a little bit of color. I know you've worked a lot in Latin America. Yes, I um, and 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 maybe a little bit of commentary. I know you mentioned Peru and Colombia. Uh, what what's sort of your outlook on on some of these? You know, Ecuador, where there's some things happening. Um, are there any places that you're you're, you're very comfortable in LATAM? Well, I think uh, Mexico, Chile, and Peru is mm-hmm. are the three countries that I will always be comfortable in. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean in some instances, specifically in Peru, that I don't have 24-7 armed security guards around me, and that's for my own peace of mind, but there yeah. are previous difficulties in the country. But uh, depending on where you are, and you have to pick your spots in Peru and Mexico, I'm very mm-hmm. comfortable in those countries. I've lived there. I've lived in Chile. So uh, those are three of the list of company uh, countries I gave you in LATAM. Mm-hmm. Those are the three with... Uh, mining cultures with historic mining so um uh, mm-hmm. so i feel comfortable uh in those countries but once again regionally specific uh you mentioned ecuador and i would submit that it is the flavor of the year mm-hmm. uh, but i would also ask a rhetorical question as to when uh, another election will occur that will bring in a left-leaning president and companies will get burned once again in Ecuador uh, because it doesn't have a mining culture. Mm-hmm. Argentina doesn't have a mining culture. Guatemala does not have a mining culture. Mm-hmm. And except for coal, uh, you could argue... Uh, argue that Colombia does not have a mining culture. So certainly, from certainly. that point of view, I look at those countries as more risky. And it really has to do with my experience and and my understanding of the culture of those three specific Latin American countries. Yeah, and that, that was uh, sort of more along the lines of the question, was that, you know, where are you comfortable putting your money is it sort of, oh yeah yeah well, yeah, yeah. yeah so, not so much are you going to get shot at that but that that is a fair concern though <laughs> well it can be yeah uh, yeah oh yeah so let me segue then into yeah. where i've been where i've been putting my money mm-hmm. so uh you know i like to do uh, private placements as as most accredited investors do mm-hmm. so i went on the shelf in what 2013 to late 2015 and didn't do a whole lot I yeah. uh, started back in in December of 2015, and to the present, I will give you a list of countries that I have participated in private placements. Oh, okay. Uh, I've done nine startups or new co's, both in the public and private venue, or been involved in those. Uh, I've done one in Mexico, one in Brazil, and the one in Brazil I did because I'm very familiar with the area I'm very familiar with and comfortable uh, with my mates who I've worked with in Latin America. Okay. But the rest of them, I did uh, uh, two in Canada, one in Yukon and, and one in Quebec, mm-hmm. which are what I consider more geopolitically stable uh, uh, provinces for uh, mineral exploitation. Mm-hmm. Four in the U.S. and one in, in, in Ireland in the eurozone so 
of of all of those, eight of them have been in the Americas, and six of those have been either in the U.S. or Canada. And I see that in our business. The people that I'm associated with in a strategic group of investors, pretty much we moved into the U.S. <laughs> and look at projects in Nevada and Idaho and Wyoming, et cetera. So in the yeah. good old Western U.S. And maybe that's because we all live in the Western U.S. and we're comfortable with this part of the world. But and I think yeah. we do that because of rule of law. There's rule of law in the U.S. There's rule of law in Canada. You've got a, a couple of things that uh, make it difficult for Americans. Number one, flow through. And number two, uh, I think would be uh, uh, native uh, America, uh, First Nations issues, as you say, in Canada. Yeah. yeah. So we so we we pick our provinces in Canada, too. Uh, yeah, and, and Mickey, that's, I, I sort of wanted to maybe modular, modularize the United States a bit. Um, you have some companies maybe going back to, you know, states like California where it might have been sort of red flagged in the recent past uh, based on the fact they thought maybe Trump might be pro-mining. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, you know, those states like, let's say, Washington, California, some of the maybe states that you'd classify areas of as anti-mining in some respects. Has there been a shift down there in, in terms of, of, you know, a more broader acceptance of mining or is it sort of status quo? Well, I, I think that that's difficult mm -hmm. to assess at this time. Certainly, uh, the Trump administration is very pro-mining, pro-development. You, and you see that in the response of, uh, of bureaucratic mm -hmm. agencies. So, uh, you know, uh, over, over, I think, uh, let me give you examples on the left coast yeah. of the U.S. Uh, uh, a company... Uh, that I'm involved with is looking in Oregon right you wouldn't now. Have, uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have done I that. Was, <laughs> but it, yeah. but it's but it's it's specifically uh, parts of Oregon, um, and you know you're not going to probably uh, be working in the Seattle <laughs> area. You know there's a poor well there's a porphyry uh, 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 a significant porphyry deposit. Uh, in the Cascades, just east of uh, Seattle, probably within something less than around 50 kilometers that was explored by Anaconda back in the day. So uh, so specific, I uh, was presented a private placement in uh, Southeast California uh, three or four weeks ago uh, in a historic mining area near the uh, in the region of the mesquite mine so so i think uh some of those perceptions certainly have changed and then i guess just to wrap up here mickey we're we're coming close to the end of the show uh i what if you're headed down to beaver creek obviously precious metal summit uh what are some of the things you're going to be uh looking at or, or hoping to discuss down at the uh the conference there well i'm meeting with a number of companies in a one-on-one -on -one meetings but mm -hmm. uh but i'm really looking forward to to just Meeting my mates, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. this is your peer group at Beaver mm -hmm. Creek, and I can't speak highly enough of the format of this conference and, and the people that will be there. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of a who's who of the people you want to associate with and meet with, uh, uh, kind of the, who span the, uh, uh, the geology exploration and 
with good financial background. So I fully expect that there will be uh, a significant amounts of capital uh, being represented there. And from what I've gathered talking to people over the last week or so, uh, there's some there's some appetite, uh, much like we saw at Beaver Creek last year, and then we got hit with uh, with a, a, a what a hundred and fifty dollar drop in the price of gold, and for a couple of months, and kind of kind of killed that. But uh, but it seems to me that uh, uh, people are looking. They're buoyant. They're bullish on uh, the future of both precious and base metals. So I'm looking forward to Beaver Creek. Well, let's hope. Yeah, let's hope the deal flow picks up and we see a little bit more volume on the uh, the venture yeah. exchange there, like you mentioned. <laughs> uh, but uh, Mickey, do have fun down there and uh, say hi to everyone for us. Will uh, Leslie and uh, uh, one of Anthony, our our publisher, will be down there. So the Northern Miner will be in attendance. I won't this year, uh, but do have fun for me. Uh, this has again been Mickey Fulp, the mercenary geologist. Uh, hop on over to his website, mercenarygeologist.com, to check out. It's free. That's right, Mickey. You want to give us a little bit of info on where to find you? Yeah. Yeah, mercenarygeologist.com. I run a free subscription email service. But if you want, uh, and you, if you want my stock picks, you got to sign up as a free email subscriber. And we run a, a very robust and active Twitter page at Mercenary Geo with 62,500 Twitter followers. Beautiful. Well, Mickey, have fun down in Beaver Creek, and thanks again for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt. Always my pleasure.